heading into Easter. Thanks, Pete. Thanks, team. I, I love Baptism Sunday. It's, it's probably one of my, my favorite Sundays that, that we get to celebrate together because it's people making that, that public declaration of that inward decision that takes place. And maybe, maybe today, actually, you, you're feeling, this is my next step. Hang around for the next service. Come on, we can get your T-shirt, throw you in the pool. Come on. Maybe for some people, your next step is actually today. Come on, maybe take that step in the, in the 1045. I really believe that um, maybe God's speaking to somebody here today about that. Well, this morning, uh, as we approach Easter, we're, we're coming up only a few weeks away from Easter, a time in the Christian calendar where we remember that, that Jesus went to the cross. Jesus died so that our sins could be forgiven, so that we could be made right with God. We were far from God, but because of Jesus, the perfect sacrifice, we were able to find wholeness and healing. We were able to find salvation through the cross. And so this morning, as we, uh, as we look towards Easter, I want to talk about the battles that Jesus fought. The battles that Jesus fought on the Mount of Olives and in and around the Mount of Olives. There's some significant moments where Jesus went into battle because he knew that we would one day face those battles. Those battles that he overcame so that we can also have confidence to believe that we can also overcome them. Anyone face battles or trials or challenges in life? I know I'm not the only one. I know probably today a whole lot of us are in the middle of trials and in the middle of battles, in the middle of things that, that you just wouldn't, you, you just don't know what to do. But we have a God that loves us. We've got a God that has gone before us, a God that went to the cross, laid down his life so that we could have freedom. And we celebrate that today. As we head towards Easter, I, I want to invite you to, to join the battle with me. If you, if you believe in Jesus, if you've been following Jesus for even a day, I want you to pray with me over the next 30 days as we head towards Easter. Would you pray? for the salvations of many in our city that are going to be bought from people in this church, going to be bought from people in the Baptist church and, and Arise and C3 and Salvation Army and all of these churches, Renew, Church Unlimited, that are going to bring friends to hear a message of hope. Would you begin to pray with me and maybe even give a day a week to pray and fast for the salvation of those that are and wanting to come to Jesus. They don't know it yet. But they're going to be brought by somebody who loves them enough. That they're going to bring them here on a, on a Saturday in Easter. Saturday the 20th of April. And it's going to be a day that will define the rest of their eternity. So would you go to battle with me? Every Wednesday we pray, 5.15 in our auditorium. If you can make it. This is in the afternoon, just in case you're wondering. Maybe someone else wants to do the 5.15 a.m. shift. But maybe you want to join us, even just once in the next three weeks. Clear your schedule a little bit. Have a slightly later dinner or, or just, just get off work 15, 20 minutes early if you can. And just turn up. Come and pray with us over these next few weeks. Let's really press in for the salvations of our loved ones and our friends and our neighbors. This morning we read as Jesus is coming into Jerusalem. Jesus is fully aware of what's about to take place. He realizes that there is a moment coming very, very soon where he is going to have to give his life. Now, we, we understand that Jesus was fully God, meaning he, he came to this earth 
still fully God. He didn't lose any of his deity. He didn't lose any of his godness, so to speak. But he also came and he was fully human, which means that like you, like me, he experienced every emotion, every trial, every temptation that we faced, he faced. So he gets it. He understands what we go through. He understands the battle we're fighting right now. And yet Jesus fought and won these battles so that we could have the victory ourselves. So we pick it up in the final week of his journey towards the cross in Luke chapter 19. It says, as he approached Bethphage and Bethany at the hill called the Mount of Olives, he sent two of his disciples saying to them, go to the village ahead of you. And as you enter it, you'll find a colt tied there, which no one has ever ridden. Untie it and bring it here. If anyone asks you, why are you untying it? Say, the Lord needs it. Those who were sent ahead went and found it just as he had told them. As they were untying the colt, the owners asked them, why are you untying the colt? Pretty fair question to ask if you're the owner, right? Why are you stealing my donkey? They replied, the Lord needs it. I love the fact that there was no argument with that. It's just, okay, cool. They brought it to Jesus, threw their cloaks on the colt, and put Jesus on it, and he went along. People spread their cloaks on the road. When he came near the place where the road goes down the Mount of Olives, the whole crowd of disciples began joyfully to praise God and loud voices for all the miracles they had seen. Blessed is the King who comes in the name of the Lord. Peace in heaven and glory in the highest. Some of the Pharisees in the crowd, who are the Pharisees? They're the teachers of the law, people that like to keep the rules but take away all the fun. Come on, don't want to be the Pharisee, right? Keep the law, it's good, but don't take away the fun. Don't take away the passion in life. The Pharisees in the crowd said to Jesus, Teacher, rebuke your disciples. Keep the kids quiet. I tell you, Jesus replied, if they keep quiet, the stones will cry out. This morning I want to talk about the battle for our worship. And you could also include praise, and I'm not going to define praise and worship specifically, but I want to look at worship specifically. The battle for our worship. Would you pray with me this morning? Heavenly Father, you know us. We've sung that this morning. You know our heart. You know our desires. You know the dreams that are in our heart. Lord, you, you love us. You created us on purpose for a purpose, and that's to live a life of love with you. And Father, I pray this morning, as we learn about what it means to live a life of worship, would you, would you challenge us? Lord, would you inspire us? Would you grow us in our act of worship? Lord, that we wouldn't, we wouldn't pull back, but we would press in. That we would be people that would give ourselves wholly and fully to worshiping you. In Jesus' name, amen. Do you know anyone who's over the top in their exuberance for life? You might want to nudge that person. You know, they, they walk into a room and the room just lights up. You know, it just goes from so many decibels to a whole other level. They just walk in and they just blow the place up. You take them along to a rock concert or a, or, or a sports event and it just multiplies. It's like the people around them just kind of adds to the level of enthusiasm and passion. How many people know someone like that? Now, now those people, they can either encourage us or they can frustrate us. Sometimes we want to tell them to, to keep the noise down. Don't be so loud. But you know what? We need people like that in our world. I need a bunch of people like that in my world that would say, come on, Mike, dream big dreams. Come on, let's get excited. Now, I'm a, a glass half full kind of a guy. 
people, if you know me well enough, I, I'm, I'm generally pretty positive about lots and lots of different things. But there's some people that are just another level of enthusiasm, and I want to get a little bit of that in me. Yeah, as a young person, I made a decision that I would be the worship leader of any row I sat in. Whether I was in the front row or the back row, I would just make the decision. Of, if somebody walks into church going, how do I do this thing? Oh, just look at Mike. He seems to know what he's doing. Copy my dance moves now. I wouldn't advise that. None of those moves are categorized yet. They probably never will be. They're not going to name one of my dance moves. But what you will see is, is passion and a desire to love God. And in the Bible, it talks about worship and all the different ways our bodies can express worship, clapping our hands and, and singing and speaking and, and, and you know, just dancing. And in that place of worship, there's this the sense of going after everything God's got. And I made that commitment a long time ago, but, but sadly, I don't always follow that commitment. Sometimes I turn up into a situation and, and I forget that worship isn't about me. And I find myself critiquing, kind of asking myself, do I really enjoy this moment? Am I enjoying this worship? Am I enjoying the song? I stood in a pastor's gathering. And you remember I made this decision a long time ago that I would be the one that would just worship. doesn't matter what's going on. And I stood there and I was going, I don't really like this song. I don't like the way they're playing it. They need to play it in a different key. In fact, his strum is all over the place. He's not even keeping his time. And he's, he's not really singing that well either. And here I am in the middle of this time of, of praising God and worshiping God, and I am judging somebody who is pouring their heart out in worship. Anyone ever been told off by God before? My kids ask me, you're the boss of our home. Who tells you off, Dad? My like, God tells me off, and it's far worse than anything I do for you. <laughs> And I just felt that, you know, and what I love about God is he tells us off gently the first time. And if we listen the first time, it's not, it's not that bad. If we don't listen, sometimes he has to kind of up the level of, are you listening to me? Because I want to help you grow into the person I want you to be. But I remember just feeling in my heart, this is this kind of gentle rebuke from God. Saying, so, well, Mike, this worship's not for you. You know, I, I realized I'd become a consumer rather than letting God consume me in worship. And, and, and if my, my worship is so that I can feel good about myself or I can, I can get all the good feels and the goosebumps and, you know, sing my favorite song because in that favorite song it just feels so much better. That's not what worship is about. What is worship? Well, one of the definitions is the act of attributing reverent honor and homage to God. Worship is about the created, honoring and paying homage to the creator. Worship positions our heart and minds in a place of submission. Uh, proscunio means to worship, which means to bow down to God or kings. So worship is about surrender and dependence on God. And the moment it becomes anything different than that, we lose the power of what worship truly is, a life of worship could be. The amount of battles I've, I've, I've won myself and seen in people's lives is people have pushed through their pain, their disappointment, their anxiety, their fear. And there's God, I'm surrendering everything I've got right now. I've got nothing left. 
And that moment, God breaks into this situation and breaks through. Because remember, Jesus has already fought the battle for our worship. So that when we press in, we can have that power that sees breakthrough in our own lives. And the heart of worship brings us to a place of trust in God. The very first mention of worship in the Bible is in Genesis chapter 22. It's a moment where when Abraham and Isaac, so Abraham was given the promise that he would be the father of many, many nations. In order to do that, he would probably have to have some kids, right? And it took ages, forever. At a hundred, he finally has a child. The promise, Isaac. He had one earlier. He tried to speed God along. Didn't work so well. But then God's promise comes in the form of Isaac. So Abraham's excited about Isaac's future, about the generations that will, will know the Lord as a result of Abraham's obedience. And then one day God says, Abraham, I want you to do something for me. Let's pick it up in verse 1 of Genesis 22. Sometime later, God tested Abraham. I don't like his test very much. He said to him, Abraham, here I am, replied Abraham. Then God said, take your son, your only son, whom you love, Isaac, and go to the region of Moriah. Sacrifice him there as a burnt offering on a mountain. I will show you. Early the next morning, Abraham got up and loaded his donkey. He took with him two of his servants and his son Isaac. When he cut enough wood for the burnt offering, he set out for the place God had told him about. On the third day, Abraham looked up and saw the place in the distance. He said to his servants, stay here with the donkey while I and the boy go over there. We will worship and then we will come back to you. I remember reading this passage as a teenager going, where was the band? They have like a service at the top and guitar and drums, you know, we will worship. But you got to understand this is the very first mention of worship in the Bible. Sometimes we condense worship down to the slow songs at the end of the fast songs. Praise is the fast and slow is the worship. But worship is a lifestyle. Worship is total commitment to God. And so when Abraham and Isaac are climbing the mountain, they understand what worship is. See, in worship, something has to lose its life. Someone, something has to lose its wife, life. Not wife. <laughs> Careful. And in that moment, Abraham and Isaac, they're climbing the mountain together. And the law of first mention says when we see a word spoken for the very first time, we pay attention to it because it continues on every time we read it again. God was setting us up with the understanding of what worship actually is. Worship for Abraham meant obedience, meant full and total commitment. My question for us today is, what does a life of worship look like for me? What does a life of worship look like for you? I wonder if Paul, who wrote the book of Romans, I wonder if he understood worship as Abraham did when he wrote in Romans 12, 1 and 2, Therefore I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice. I, I like this that he says a living sacrifice. Not a dead sacrifice, but one that can get on or off the altar. That it's a choice to go on the altar and stay on the altar. I really believe that if we would choose to be living sacrifices, we would go on the altar and we would stay on the altar until God says, now I bless you. Now I bless you. Now I release you. Now you see your breakthrough. But we stay 
in that place of surrender on the altar. Goes on and says, holy and pleasing to God. This is your, you will know what worship is. True and proper worship is offering our bodies as living sacrifices to God. Do not conform to the pattern of this world. How many people know there's a pattern in this world? It's a pattern that we're, we've been asked to conform to. To live a little differently to everybody else. But the world wants us to stay the same. But God's saying, I've got a different standard. I am the one true God. I'm going to live my life honoring and worshiping him. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you'll be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. So in light of our understanding of worship, let's read the start of this passage again as Jesus was entering the Mount of Olives. When he came near the place where the road goes down the Mount of Olives, the whole crowd of disciples began joyfully to praise God in loud voices for all the miracles they had seen. Blessed is the king who comes in the name of the Lord. Oh, there's a song. Peace in heaven and glory in the highest. Oh, there's a song coming out of their hearts. And when I started singing, there's two different responses. Three of you said, what a wonderful voice you have there, Mike. And I appreciate that, Mum. Yeah, you're one of the three. The rest of you are thinking, this is the weird Sunday Mike said we'd never have. <laughs> you know, oh, I'm feeling a little bit nervous for Mike right now. Probably my wife was feeling a little bit nervous as I started to sing a random old song. that I've never sung it before, but there it is. I remember as a three-year-old, I was in the rest home with my mum and dad singing songs. Singing, my God is so big, so strong and so mighty. There's nothing my God cannot do. I sung with all of my heart. I gave it everything. And I saw people laughing. And as I saw them laughing, something inside of me died. Because I thought they were laughing at me. In my three-year-old brain, I couldn't work out the fact that they just thought I was kind of cute. Singing with all of my heart. They were probably happy that I was doing that. But something inside me died on that day. For the next 10 years, I never sung in public. It was like the, the spirit of the Pharisee kind of got in on me and said, Shh, don't make a scene. Don't be too loud. Don't be too noisy. This is what the devil wants to do. He wants to silence our shout. He wants to push down our praise. He wants to wash away our worship. Come on, this is a time where we need to stand up. It's a time where sometimes we need to, to kneel, bow down, and even sometimes flat on our face and worship to God, not because we've been told to do it, but because in our heart we know we're supposed to. This is a lifestyle of worship. Jesus spoke to the Pharisees and declared, if these ones are silenced, more will be raised up. The rocks themselves will cry out in praise. This morning in our battle for worship, I want us to remember three things. Number one, true worship is voluntary. When we look at the story of Abraham and Isaac, I just can't get past the thought of Isaac, probably 12 years old, climbing the mountain. He's climbing the mountain with, with the sticks for the, for the sacrifice on his back. 
as he's climbing the mountain, he's, he's turning to dad saying, dad, where's the sacrifice? You don't seem to have come prepared. And Abraham says, the Lord will provide some. There would have been a moment as they were climbing the mountain together where, where all of a sudden Isaac realized what was about to happen. Maybe when he asked dad again, dad, where's the sacrifice? And through his tears, if, if that was me, I would be bawling my eyes out as I'm walking, knowing that the very promise that's been given to me, I have to give it away. The Lord will provide, son. The Lord will provide. Maybe the clue might have been when he bound him with the ropes and laid him on the altar. But do you think that 12-year-old kid could have got away from a 112-year-old dad? See, we often look at Abraham in the story and we go, wow, Abraham, but come on, how about Isaac? There was a living sacrifice that chose to stay on the altar where many would run. But God is saying, come on, today, present yourself as living sacrifices. Put yourself on the altar, whatever that looks like for you. I'm not saying it at the front of this place, but in your workplace. Put yourself at the, at the altar and allow God to do his work. Don't move until he's done. As the people praised Jesus on the way to the cross, they didn't know what was about to cost Jesus, but he did. Very symbolic that Isaac climbed a mountain with wood on his back. Symbolic of Jesus who would come with a cross and would climb a mountain himself to go and stand naked, stripped away of all of his dignity and hang on a cross for you and for me. You don't think he fought that one? The pain of that? Next week, we're going to hear a great message about the battle for our will, the battle over our flesh, and living a life that honors God. Jesus could have easily avoided arrest, but he didn't. Could have called down the legions of angels, but he didn't. He endured the cross. He chose the cross. For the passion set before him, the Bible tells us. Do you know what the passion is? It's you. You're his passion. I'm his passion. Thinking of me. That's Jesus going to the cross, eyes focused on the cross. Second thought this morning is that true worship costs me. True worship costs me. Isaac was Abraham's promise, as I mentioned earlier. Sometimes on the altar, God asks us to, to lay down our dreams and our desires, and this is a hard one. Sometimes the very thing that God has asked and promised us, he then asks for it back. Because maybe we haven't been carrying it in the right way. I remember I laid soccer down for a season. And, and it was everything to me. In fact, soccer had become more important than God. And God says, I want you to not play reps this year. And I was kind of a national selection kind of position. And, and that, that was pretty much my opportunity. But as a 14-year-old, I made that decision I'm going to lay it down because God's telling me to. It was a cost to me. It probably cost me my, my, my future in football. I mean, I've still had an incredible future. I, I've, I've loved my football career, but maybe I wouldn't be doing what I'm doing today if I hadn't laid that down. And I'm so glad that I've been able to take soccer as a ministry. I've traveled internationally with my gift. 
As I laid it down, it was like God gave it back to me again. And this is what he does. When we lay it down, we pick it up the right way. We pick it up for the right reason. And that's what God might be speaking to you today. This dream, you've been trying to work it out. You've been trying to push it on your own. But would you lay it down and I'll tell you when to pick it up again. What might that look like for you and your business? Maybe you'll choose to put God's laws, his morals over a quick and dishonest game. Maybe you'll push past your embarrassment and and your fear and actually share your story of what God's done in your life with your colleagues, with your neighbor. Had a a little God appointment just just yesterday. We're out of milk. Couldn't make a coffee. Need coffee. So went down to the Foursquare, the Romanga. And, uh, and, and went in and just started chatting with, with Carol, who's on the checkout there. And we, we found a common thing, you know, just within the space of a couple of, couple of sentences. It was just like, oh, cool. So we started this, this conversation, and she opens up that her husband's been diagnosed with throat cancer. And I said, Carol, I'm going to pray for Anthony. If you remember Anthony this week, pray for Anthony. Battling cancer. You know, just these, these moments, God can put us in a place just to open our mouth and say, come on, I'm going to pray for you there. I could have said nothing. I, I could have said, well, that's so sad. It's like, no, no, I'm going to pray. There's an opportunity just to open my mouth and maybe just share a little bit there. As the team come this morning, the third thought this morning, this true worship aligns us with God's blessing. True worship aligns us with God's blessing, just like it did for Abraham. If Satan can do anything, it's to shut up the mouths of God's kids, to get them to pull back from worship rather than pressing in. What happens in the story is that Abraham pushes past what he wanted. He pushed past. He saw the the, the promise of God in his son, and he says, you know what, I'm going to give that up so that I can honor God with my life. That point, as Abraham lays Isaac on the altar and Isaac decides to stay, Abraham takes the knife. It's quite a brutal story when you think about it. He's about to plunge the knife. And God says, stop. Abraham, Abraham, I've seen your faithfulness. Seeing you trust me and that you'll obey me. And he shows him a, a sacrifice that he prepared for him. Caught in the thicket, out came the sacrifice. Genesis 22, 15 to 18. The angel of the Lord called to Abraham from heaven a second time. I said, I swear by myself, declares the Lord, that because you have done this and have not withheld your son, your only son. So obedience, cost. I will surely bless you and make your descendants as numerous as the stars in the sky and the sand on the seashore. Your descendants will take possession of the cities of their enemies and through your offspring, all nations on earth will be blessed because you have obeyed me. That's the promise of God. When we lay down those things that God asks us to, there's a moment where he says, now watch me. Watch me do what you can't do. I believe on the altar of worship, 
if we would make our lives a living sacrifice. God will bless us. God will bless the people around us. When we're blessed, it's so that we can be a blessing. Abraham's blessing wasn't for himself. The blessing was for the generations that would come. That anyone that Abraham came across, he could bless them and they'd be blessed. A life of worship positions us, uh, positions us where God wants us to be. He knows his plan. We're going to trust him. And for you today, I don't know what your decision is. I don't know what you need to do. I don't know what laying down on the altar means for you. What is it you've got to lay down? With every head bowed, I closed. If you're feeling like God is putting something on your heart that you need to lay down, would you just, just lift your hand? I just want to pray for you. Yeah, that's cool. Anyone else? Yeah. Awesome. Awesome. Lots of hands. God, to do this, Lord, requires courage. It requires counting the cost. And Father, for every person that's raised their hand indicating there's something they know you're speaking to them about. God, I pray they wouldn't leave it as just a moment here now, but Lord, they would go out these doors with your strength, with your wisdom, and be able to lay down whatever it is. Trusting you. Trusting you, Lord God. Lord, give them the courage to do that, we pray. You know, maybe you're here this morning and you've never given your life to Christ. You've never given everything to Him. You've never acknowledged the sacrifice He made so that your sins could be atoned for, paid for. This morning, I want to give you the opportunity to pray a prayer with me. A prayer that so many in this building have prayed before. To turn from an old way of living and turn back to a God who loves you. The message of salvation is a message of grace, a message of hope, a message of purpose. Maybe you're here today and you need to surrender your life to God. You need to lay your life on an altar and say, God, I've done trying to live life my own way. I'm going to put my hand, my life into your hands now because I think you know better than me. I think that's somebody's prayer this morning. I'm going to pray a prayer. Actually, we're all going to pray it as a church family. Would you pray this prayer? Asking God to forgive you of your sins. Asking Him to give His gift of salvation. Because He loves you. And He's waiting. Because He won't force it. He won't push it. But He's waiting for you to say, yes, I surrender. Come on. Wave the white flag. Surrender to a higher power. One who's got a greater plan and purpose for your life. Would you pray this prayer with me this morning? Heavenly Father, thank you that you love me so much. Thank you that you sent your son Jesus to die on the cross for me. Please forgive me for living life my own way. I turn from my old way of living.
And I turn to you. Thank you that you will heal me. You will cleanse me. I give my life to you today. In Jesus' name. If you pray that prayer for the first time, maybe you're coming back to God, maybe you've been away and God's drawn you home today. We want to connect with you after the service. We don't want you to do this alone. You're not supposed to. We've got a great team that would love to connect with you and and begin to, to help you take your next step. But we want to know who you are. You'd be brave enough right now just to slip your hand up and say, that was me, I prayed that prayer. Thank you. Thank you. Maybe for the first time, maybe you're coming back to him. You're saying, I surrender. I want my life to count. To be found in God's arms. Church, would you stand this morning? We're going to close. We're going to close by singing a song that says, this is how I fight my battle. And maybe for some of you, you actually need to present yourself to God on the altar, literally. Why don't you do that? Why don't you do that? Present yourself on the altar and say, this is how I'm going to fight my battle. Not with my own flesh and blood, but with the power of God in my life. Maybe that's someone today. Come on, team.